want to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and that is Happy Car Florida and Happy Car Sales. Now, listen, I've known the owner, Lou Marici, for about 15 years. I've bought cars from him at different locations all throughout South Florida, and now he's doing his own thing, just like me. Go figure that one. Louis Marici runs HappyCarsFlorida.com, and here's the best part about it. If you're interested in buying a car, whether you have good credit, bad credit, or get this, no credit whatsoever, you can buy a car from Louis. It's very simple. All you do is call 954-745-9599. Very specifically, tell Louis you heard about him on my podcast, Swings and Mishes, and he's going to get you into a car. Again, financing is done right in the dealership. It's easy to get a car. At the end of the day, you'll be driving out with whatever car you want. And here's the best part of it. If the car that you want is not on his lot, Louie's going to get it for you. How do I know? Because you can call him right on his cell phone and ask or text him. 561-716-6463. That's Louie's direct number. You text him and say, hey, Louie, I heard about you on Swings and Mishes. Here's the car I want. Can you get it for me? Bam. You got it. You're out and you're good. No credit, bad credit, good credit. Doesn't make a difference who you are. Louie will take care of you. Again, Happy Car Sales, 954-745-9599. Located at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. You'll be leaving Happy Car Sales. Very happy. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome back to an episode of Swings and Mishes, where Craig Mish is back with us after his week of vacation. Uh, I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, and Craig is with us. So, Craig, uh, the Marlins just finished off a nice series win against San Diego with a walk-off earlier today. I mean, just minutes before we started recording this podcast. Um, So, Craig, I'm wondering, you know, your thoughts on how the Marlins have played since they came back from the All-Star break, a decent series with the Mets, and now a series win over San Diego. Yeah, they could have won all three games against the Padres. They even played well the other night when uh, Chris Paddock threw a few innings of perfect ball and then almost a no-hitter, and there were some controversial calls there in terms of balls and strikes in the ninth inning. But also, you could also make the case that if the calls are that close, that some of the batters should be swinging at those two. So, I, you know, I kind of understand that. And that's going to happen over the course of the season. I don't get too caught up in it. But the Marlins have been basically a 500 team over their last 50 or some odd games. So you have to be encouraged with that. Clearly, the hitting has stepped up and has bailed out even the pitching at times. They seem to score runs later in the games, which is certainly good. And we'll just kind of have to keep an eye on things as we move forward. But I would certainly expect at this point to kind of see some of the starting pitchers be slowed down a little bit. We're heading into August and September. I'm not really sure what we're going to expect or who we're going to expect to see on the mound. Because let's be realistic, the Marlins are one of the few teams in the National League that are not going to be in contention to make the postseason. So we'll have the trade deadline coming up over the next couple of weeks. And that certainly will be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. We'll also, uh, we're on the doorstep here of seeing the debut of both J.J. Bleday and Cameron Meisner in some form in Jupiter. I think that will happen either this weekend or early next week, too. So we'll be able to see those guys play in some sort of games, which is exciting mm-hmm. for me. I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. And that, indeed, will be the future of the Marlins. And then, uh, you know, at some point we'll have a couple of players, I think, called up in August and September. And so we'll get to see the future there as well. So all things being said, there are some benchmarks over the course of a Major League Baseball season 
that keep us interested. I was very engaged and very uh, excited to cover the draft and learn a lot about who these kids are and the Marlins process, how they got it done. And, and for people who follow me, they know that I was all over that. So that was a lot of fun. Now the next point will be the, the trade deadline. That'll be the next sort of benchmark along with the throwback weekend next week. Then after that, Jeremy, it is the March till the end of the season. You know, that's it. You know, football is coming. We know a lot of people's attention moved toward that. And then in September, the NBA gets started again with training camp. And then the season starts in October. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, – I mean, we're still going to be here, of course, doing this and covering baseball. But there is no question that the meat and uh, of the season – it takes a turn once we get past that trade deadline in August and September. So we'll, we'll kind of see how things flow over the next couple months. Right. And for this team specifically, that's especially a moment where the season starts to sort of head the other direction, but it was nice to see the Marlins sort of have over the last six games, since they've come back from the all-star break, kind of a couple of offensive outbursts. Um, you know, they, like you said, they, Chris Paddock was perfect through, I believe seven uh, on on Wednesday night. But other than that, the Marlins actually hit the ball pretty well, scored a bunch of runs in the first game of both series. So that was nice to see. And as you mentioned, you know, you had a feature with J.J. Bleday, uh, one of the Marlins draft picks, the first draft pick on CBS4 the other night. You know, we've seen the draft picks come in. We're going to see prospects come up. Right now is that really exciting time of the year. And one of the prospects that we are looking forward to seeing, hopefully sooner rather than later, is Isan Diaz. Um, We've had this conversation on this podcast each of the last couple of weeks about Isan yeah, Diaz. Getting t- I'm getting tired of it, to be honest. Uh, I tend to agree. Uh, but the conversation has continued about Isan Diaz and, and Starling Castro and Starling Castro playing second base uh, ahead of Diaz and sort of um, blocking his path to the bigs at the moment. Uh, Castro, you know, we heading into July, you and I spoke about Starling Castro and you know, sticking with him and not getting too over eager to bring up Diaz because you wanted to leave Castro in a space to thrive at his natural position to second base. And look what he's done. It's paid off since he's, he's hitting over 400 uh, in the month of July. He's gotten he as is. hot. He's just about as hot as anybody in the Marlins lineup, if not hotter. And he's really done a good job of showing himself off here as the Marlins do approach the trade deadline. So when we look at Diaz, when we look at Castro, I would like to get your thoughts on that situation as we're here now in the middle, t- closer to the end of July. Sure. I mean, we'll, we'll just keep doing this until, I mean, I, I think that, I think that, that honestly, that people understand the situation and I don't know why it seems to be confusing for anyone, to be honest with you. Like if you cover major league baseball and you see prospects and you wait for them to come up for various reasons, whether it's players playing in front of them or whether it's financial, uh, there are always going to be these situations that pop up. And so this one is like clear as day. Like There's just no even debate for me here, but we can, you know, sure go through it again. I mean, uh, look, Castro all of a sudden has woken up from his slumber in July that he had in April, May, and June. I'm not really sure why. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season who the best player on the Marlins would be, it would be Sarlin Castro. There's no question. He's mm-hmm. the most polished veteran they have. He's a four-time All-Star. But for whatever reason, he had the worst three months uh, of the start of a season in his career. Uh, I think there was one other year that he, that he struggled. But this, this year in particular was really mind-blowing. And then all of a sudden, since we did our podcast a couple of weeks ago, he has arguably been the best hitter on the team. Garrett Cooper's great, obviously. Garrett Cooper's been fantastic. But 
Castro's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball. He's launching the ball. He's hitting the ball out. He's got triples. He's, he hit a home run off Paddock the other day. Mm-hmm. And he's at least put himself in a position to where he could be traded on the 31st. But I want to caution people on this one and, and understanding that there are facts behind this. And the facts are is that he still do about $5 million as we get to the 31st. And if you incorporate, he's got also a $1 million buyout for next year's contract. We can't ignore that because no team in Major League Baseball, all 29 teams in Major League Baseball, no one is going to opt into that contract in 2020 and pay him another $12 million. Keep that in mind. That's, that's fact. Also fact, he was placed on waivers last year. No one claimed him. They could have given, the Marlins would have given him away for free. They would have not have pulled him back. They, they could have had him. Now, again, it was a lot more money than it was now. So the goal for Miami is, sure, they would love to get a player back. Sure, they would love to get some uh, international free agent money, potentially, maybe 50, 100 grand, who knows. But the bottom line is that any trade interest that is coming the way of Starling Castro right now, Jeremy, is basically teams calling saying, look, we know you're going to give him away for free give them to us. (laughs) That's basically it. No one is going to give the Marlins anything except for some financial freedom in the deal. So if Miami can get a team to, to give them a million dollars or $2 million by some miracle, that team will end up having Starling Castro. Miami will get a a player, player to be named later or future considerations or something Mm. like that. I highly, highly doubt that any player would come back in return for Castro just because, again, uh, at, to this point, you look at some of the contenders. Could he help someone? Sure. Could he be in the American League, play a little second base, play a little designated hitter, come off the bench? Sure. But at this stage, you do have to wonder what happened in the first half of the season and are the skills deteriorating or was it, was it the lineup? Was it something else? I don't have the answer to that, but that's kind of where we stand. And, Jeremy, because of the money that he's making. And because he plays second base, that's why Isan Diaz is not in the major leagues. It's just as right. simple as that. If, if, if Starling Castro was traded today, Isan Diaz would be in the big leagues tomorrow. This is not a difficult thing to understand. Isan Diaz is ready. He's done everything possible that he can in the minor leagues. And what you say publicly isn't always what is actually going on behind the scenes. Have, is that that difficult to understand all of these general managers and executives through the years at radio and television interviews when they've said Eloy Jimenez is not ready and Vladimir yeah. Guerrero Jr. is not ready? There are, there are things that are said to keep the peace. They can't say Isan Diaz is ready 100%. Well, indeed, if I was the, his agent, I would call. Well, if he's ready, why don't you call him up? Right. The reason why is because they're trying to trade Castro. They're trying to get every piece of value that they possibly can up until the 31st. The 31st will go by, Jeremy. And then the question becomes, if Castro is not moved, then what happens? And I'm, I'm going to go into that here a little bit. But at that point, I still believe, so you can save this and mark this down, I believe that immediately after the 31st, whether it's August 1st or August 2nd, Isan Diaz is coming to the big leagues in the, on the first or second day of August. And he's coming, and he's coming to play. Now, here is the part that would be tricky, which is Starling Castro. Right. Now, I will, I will give you some details on Starling Castro. If, first of all, Isan Diaz has not practiced or played any other position at second base in New Orleans, 
So did everybody hear that okay? Okay, now let's move on to Starlin Castro. <laughs> Could Starlin Castro potentially play shortstop or third base if Diaz was to come up, let's say, and he was still on the team? Of course he could. Sources close to Craig Mish tell you that Starlin Castro has not practiced any other position at second, has not been asked to play any other position at second, but sources close to Craig Mish tell you, folks, that he would play any other position if he was asked. But, Jeremy, if he was going to play another position next week or the week after, don't you think that the Marlins would be working him out before the games at third or at short or at, or someone else? Like, aren't these easily reported things that you could find out just by looking or even asking? And the answer is yes to all of those things. None of those things have happened. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe on, on maybe next week for throwback weekend, they put a, a, the old Florida Marlins jersey on Castro and before the game he's working out a third. Maybe. Right. It, it hasn't happened. It has not happened. So he is so indeed the long story short of this whole nice story that I'm telling you is as clear as bleeping day. Castro's the second baseman. Diaz the second baseman. As soon as they get some resolution on Starlin Castro, whether he's traded or not, then Diaz will come up and he will play second base for the Miami right. Marlins. And indeed right. that is the situation. So please I'm not going to do this again next week. You guys can save it, rewind it, do whatever you want. Isan Diaz not playing left field. Stop with this nonsense. It's not happening. Sources close to Craig Mish tell me that Starling Castro hasn't been asked to play anywhere else but second base. Or excuse me, sources close to me tell me he hasn't been asked to play third base since he was with the Cubs four or five years ago. Right. I mean, come on. Come on. Let's, let's, let's get real here. Now, I hope that, uh, that Castro goes to a contender He's been a model citizen here. He's been a great teammate here, even though the on-field in April, May, and June uh, did not go well for him. So I certainly am rooting for that. Don't hold anything against him uh, personally as far as that is concerned. But he has just kind of played his way uh, both physically uh, and and performance-wise into a second baseman at the big league level. And he will need some time to shift to another position if the Marlins do choose to do that. And as of this moment, and as of this recording, on July 18th, 2020, sources close to me, tell me, he has not been asked to, 2019, <laughs> he, has, he, has, he has not been asked to do so. See, even a year ago. Does right, that yeah. summarize the story? Oh, gosh. We, uh, we are in a position of, you know, just trying to understand just done I, with this story already. Yeah, like, my I, gosh, I, I I can't. I it's just it just blows my mind on this one, which is why I don't engage on social media on any of this stuff. There's just mm-hmm. no need. It's like clear. It's crystal clear. Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson is the third baseman for the Braves. He was blocking Austin Riley, so they put him at left field in the minors, and he got called up to play left field like this is what happens if Diaz is going to play another position they're going to practice him at another position and get him some minor league games this is what you do Riley by the way also played first base in spring training I was at the game he played first base in spring training too you you, the guys need to practice the other position they don't just get thrown in there Brian Anderson who played right field 
for the Marlins, they moved him. Oh, that was the big thing. Oh, well, he hadn't played since college. But guess what? Freddie Gonzalez worked with him in right field before he ended up playing right field. They didn't just wake up one day in the morning and Don Mattingly said, you know what? Let's play Brian Anderson in right field. That's not how it happened. They practiced with him in the outfield, and then he started a game in the outfield. JT Riddle, shortstop. What happened? He went to the minors. He played center field for what? A week, two weeks, whatever it was. Comes right. back. He's a center fielder. If Diaz plays left field in New Orleans, then text me and let me know, and then I'll tell you, yep, there you go. Diaz could play left field. Until then, he will not. Exactly. And he is a, he's a second baseman through and through, and actually we have an article uh, coming out from Ian Smith on swingsandmissions.com about Isan Diaz and sort of his hope for Isan Diaz's future and why Isan Diaz is a second baseman and will remain a second baseman. All right. So that's that end of the story. So one yes. of the players that, that I think we all hope is moved for his sake and for the Marlins' sake is Starlin Castro. But, you know, we are sort of quickly approaching the trade deadline. We will only have one more episode after this before our trade deadline episode here on Swings and Mishes. And so as we approach the deadline, Craig, are you hearing anything about any other players on the Marlins as to who might be moved or just thoughts on maybe who the Marlins should maybe throw out there? You know, it's, it's kind of a, we would have thought that a lot of these veterans would be guys that would definitely be on the move heading into the season. But as the year's sort of shaken out, those, those ideals have changed. So any thoughts on uh, the deadline as we are now right around two weeks away? Yeah, yeah, two weeks away. So I st that's that's a lot of baseball time for for things to happen. Players can get hurt, things can change. So, so as of right now, the only player that I could say with certainty would be Sergio Romo. He'll end up somewhere. I, I think he may end back. And again, this is guessing. I want to be clear on that. This is not with any information. Is is Tampa Bay seems like a good spot for him to go back there again and either be an opener or give teams a different look in the ninth inning. Remember, Tampa's going to have to go through either Boston or New York again. So uh, that could be a spot for him. Oakland promo's going to get traded on the 31st. And I think that that's really the only certainty at this point. I know that they would certainly love to move Walker. And, but the other point of it is that, that teams are calling about their starting pitchers and they are asking for them. Uh, I, would, I would expect that Miami would ask for a boatload for all of them. So it's going to be really hard to uh, determine what the value is exactly there. And now look, two players got traded that were pitchers last week. And both nowhere near the quality of the players that are on Miami, Jeremy. I'm not even trying to go there. But Andrew Kashner and Homer Bailey were given away. Okay, They were right. basically given away. I, I, you can't really set a market based on those. But perhaps Miami is willing to part with one of their starting pitchers, whoever that may be. I certainly, in my opinion, don't think that they should trade Caleb Smith. In my opinion, they, I don't think that they should trade Sandy Alcantara. You know, Pablo Lopez is not going to get traded. He's on the injured list, that's for sure. I wouldn't think that Arena either hasn't been throwing or doing anything. And so Richards would really be the only name uh, of any of the at least big league starting pitchers that I could see a team going after. But that what, what a big league team would have to understand with Richards, who is a, a good pitcher but not great pitcher, is that Trevor Richards goes five innings and comes out of the game. I mean, that's it. I mean, you are, you are not getting more than five innings from, from Trevor Richards. The Marlins will not be getting more than five innings from Trevor Richards unless he develops more at the big league level. But a quick search for anyone who's looking, go take a look at Trevor Richards' starts this season. It's five innings, five innings, five innings, five innings, five and two-thirds, five, 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 five. There's a seven in there somewhere. Right. And then there's like a six in there somewhere. Right. But he throws a lot of pitches and a lot of times has to come out after five. And so, you know, when that changeup is working, certainly he's been very good. But honestly, the last couple of months, his ERA is pushing close to five. 
So I don't know. Is that worth something to another team? It should be. He's probably a back-end starter. Right. But this, this is all opinion, informa- in opinion, by the way, Jeremy. This is not like I'm telling you that a certain team called about specifically Trevor Richards. As we get closer to the deadline, I am certain that I'll have a lot more intense info, just like I always do on everything else going on with the Marlins. But what you should be understand at this point is there hasn't been a ton of, of things that have been close. It's just teams are calling, teams are asking. And I think on the 31st, naturally, we'll definitely see one trade. I think Romo will be moved. And then it just becomes a question as to, will somebody take Walker from Miami? Uh, do, do the Marlins move one of their other bullpen arms? Do they move a starter and get back some huge return? Otherwise, I think it could be a quiet deadline for them. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see sort of the way that plays out because I think headed into the season, we fully anticipated the Marlins sort of not dismantling what we saw on opening day, right? But seeing the lineup with Walker and Granderson and all of those players, and we all sort of hoped that those veterans would play their way into some more value than is there right now. Some of that had to do with injuries for certain players, some otherwise, but as we do get closer, we will obviously keep you updated there. Uh, And now as we wrap this up, we do head into an interview with one of the Marlins uh, drafted pitchers this year, and that's Chris Makma, who was drafted by the Marlins in the 12th round and ultimately ended up signing with the Marlins dang near close to that uh, deadline, that time deadline right around with Cameron Meisner. Um, So as we head into this interview with Chris Makma, are there any thoughts or or things you want to wrap up with, Craig? Yeah, I think that from a draft perspective, I think that that is something that I'm very interested in seeing over the next month or two. Uh, At this point, uh, during the regular season, early on, April, May, and June, I'm still very big into trying to figure out what's going on with the big league team. But after we get through July 31st, I am excited to see uh, J.J. Bladé for sure play. And I uh, I am excited to see Cameron Meisner because they really have a direct path to playing in the big leagues. If I had to guess, I would say that J.J. Bladé is going to make his major league debut in 2021. I think he, he spends next year in the minors, and I think 2021 he's going to be in the big leagues. It, it's not going to be opening day, of course, but maybe June or even September of that year. I think that's coming. That's coming quick, provided that he hits at that level. And then you mentioned Makma and Evan Fitterer, two high school pitchers that are going to be developed also in Jupiter, whether it's the GCL or eventually in single A with the Jupiter Hammerhead. So Look, we don't know what the results ever are going to be of these kids. They have to be developed. You can make all the right picks, but if they're not developed properly, they may not work out. But at least in the month of August for me, that's going to be something that I'm going to be just curious about because I would love to learn more about the process and understand the process and also keep in mind just how the national media, for the first time virtually on anything, has basically said, hey, the Marlins did a great job at something. <laughs> that, right. is, that has been rare over the last, <laughs> right. I don't know, like years and years and years. And everyone says Miami did a good job with the draft. So if that is the case, I'd like to see what that good job is. I'd like to, I'd like yeah. to kind of check out those players. Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to hear from Chris Machma here and hopefully many other of these draftees as we go on throughout the rest of this year and years to come. So hope you all enjoy this interview with new Marlins pitcher Chris Machma. As always, want to thank All Year Cooling for presenting this podcast. All Year Cooling has serviced my unit in my house for more than a decade. Tommy Smith is the best. There's no one better 
that you could ever ask for, especially with the summer here, folks. Do you need your AC checked? Do you need it repaired? They give free estimates. They have the best financing of any air conditioning company in the state of Florida. And if you want to get a new unit, you need to call Tommy right now, 888-204-5554. As I mentioned, I have a unit in my house. And if I should ever have an issue, and we're talking about two or three in 10 years, I call all year. They're at my house in 10 minutes. They have the best service plans possible, and they take care of you because they've been family-owned and operated for more than 25 years. That's Tommy Smith, my friend, the owner of All Year Cooling, 888-204-5554. What are you waiting for? The summer is here. Before your unit goes down, call All Year right now and get it repaired. 888-204-5554. Incredible financing options at All Year Cooling. Stay cool in the summer with Tommy Smith and All Year Cooling. 888-204-5554. And that's right, Jeremy, here on Swings and Mishes, our special guest for this week on the podcast is Marlon's 12th round selection, high school pitcher from Michigan, Chris Machma, who uh, the Marlins took in June and then right before the deadline ended up signing Chris. And so we're going to get into it a little bit with him. And Chris, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And by the way, congratulations on signing with the Marlins. How are you? Hey, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, well, first of all, I, I got to start with this, is that there seems to be not just a Machma fan club, but man, you got a lot of Machmas in Michigan. I got all these Machma people following me, and I'm wondering who they all are. Is it parents? Is it friends? I think your brother was also drafted. You got a strong contingent of followers there, and, and I have a lot of new followers named Machma. <laughs> yeah, I have definitely have a lot of family support behind me, so it's nice to see. All right, so uh, you, how did this all happen, Chris? I, I know that you, you were scouted very well in high school and, and you played very well in baseball at Holland Christian, but how did it end up being the Marlins? Did you get a sense at some point that Miami would end up drafting you? It kind of was out of the blue, just like every other team. Like, I didn't know this was going to be the Marlins or anyone else, and then I got a call at the beginning of the third day from the Marlins, and they said they'd be interested in taking me, and then – they ended up taking me in the 12th round. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, before we get into some of you in, in high school and, and you kind of personally, so people can get to know you a little bit, uh, when did you know officially, uh, was it just literally right? Did you sign your contract like literally right at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday? Did it really come down to that as close as it did? Uh, yeah, we, we agreed and figured it all out at about 4.58. So about two minutes before the deadline. Wow. Two minutes before the deadline. That is incredible. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris Machma is a pitcher and he is being scouted, obviously, by a lot of Major League Baseball teams. There was some thought that the Marlins would not be able to sign him. They ended up doing it, as he mentioned, right at the deadline, paying him over a half a million dollars. So congratulations on that, Chris. Chris, that seems like a lot of money for somebody coming out of high school. Did, did, you, uh, did you do anything with that or have you, have you received that? Do you have a plan to to buy yourself like a new iPhone, a new pair of sneakers, a new glove, any plans for that? Uh, not really near future. I'm probably going to save most of it up and just let it grow from there. 
but my mindset always coming in was I want to get enough money that if something happens to my career, like I can still have enough money to like buy a house and start a life there. So that's kind of a little backstory of why I like asked for a higher amount. That seems like a great idea, Chris. And this is Jeremy here. Uh, a question for you that I found interesting to, to see when I was sort of doing some background research on you is that you were also a basketball player and an all-conference basketball player at that. And I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your basketball career in high school, uh, why you chose baseball, and maybe how your basketball skills then help you as a pitcher on the baseball field. Yeah, I, I just love playing basketball. I was I wasn't necessarily too skilled at it, but I did all the little things. Like I defended, I rebounded, and that's kind of what led to me led me to get the accolades that I did. And just I think it's important to be like all around athlete instead of just focusing on one sport because there's so many different muscles and like different things you're using in basketball that can translate over to baseball and being stronger there. So for sure. Tell us a little bit about your brother, uh, Mike, who was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Did you kind of have like a little bit of a back and forth with that? Who's going to get drafted higher and then, you know, friendly uh, family competition. Tell us a little bit about that. I don't think people realize that one of the other Machmas is your brother, Mike. Yeah, we've, we've always kind of had it and it wasn't like competition. We just kind of dreamed of this. So we knew we, this is both our draft year, me coming out of high school and then him obviously after junior year of college. So we were kind of just excited for this year, this draft, and it's it's amazing to see two brothers both be able to have an opportunity to play professional baseball in the same year. Yeah, I, I, it is incredible. Uh, the other thing that I don't think that people know about you, Chris, is that you are also a really good student in high school as well. And when I mean good, I don't mean like a B student. I mean like you were a 4.0 student in high yep. school and so uh how did that happen and and do you really like your studies uh, apparently were like super important to you to the point where that's why college was such a strong consideration for you and your family yeah for sure the so the way i was raised and brought up is you take it like you take your school seriously just as seriously you take your sports so i've always kind of had that mentality like school comes first and then the sports stuff comes second so that's kind of why I focused so much on that and took took a lot of pride in having good grades. Now, in in summer ball, I, I know that you played with one of the most prestigious teams in the country in Midland, the Midland Redskins out of Cincinnati. And, and that's where really I know a lot of other kids end up getting drafted and end up getting uh, to, to the big leagues. Can you talk about that, who you may have played with, who people may be familiar with, and what that experience is like? Uh, yeah, I, so I played with a lot of guys there. I don't think a, not a lot got drafted from the team I was on, but there was at least five or more than five that were starting in colleges in the Big 12 or the SEC or the ACC, starting at really good schools after playing for Midland. And just the experience was unbelievable. Like, I was able to go to the County Mac World Series and play with them, and we won it. And that was one of, the, one of my favorite baseball experiences I've ever had. So, you, so you, you go through this process. You have a 4.0 in high school. Uh, you, you intend to go to, was it Michigan State? Am I correct by that? You were going to go to Michigan yep. State, right? Okay, so you, yep. you, you pass on that. You end up signing with the Marlins. So it's all kind of a whirlwind for you. And then you end up flying to South Florida. You take your physical, you pass. And that was probably a little bit over or close to, I, I think it was actually a week ago. 
So catch people up what's happened in the past week. I know that you've reported to Jupiter and then kind of fill us in on the details as to what's going on from there with you. Uh, yeah, so the last week, uh, there's a lot been getting used to everything that's going on here in Jupiter because all these guys have been here for over a month now, or most of them have at least. So starting first couple of days, I kind of just I watched a little bit, got a little bit of throwing in, got used to like the conditioning and the workouts that we have every day. And then by now, I'm actually going to be able to throw my first bullpen tomorrow. So I'm starting to get like involved more like in the rotation and start being able to like be able to pitch and get ready for that. You know, you're talking about uh, your work on the field now as you're about to get into it. And, you know, most Marlins fans haven't obviously had a chance to see you pitch as you were a high school student in Michigan. So for the average mm-hmm. fan that is listening to this podcast, what type of pitcher are you? Are you a type of guy that likes to pound the zone and get ground balls? Are you, you know, do you work backwards? Are you all about strikeouts? If you had to describe yourself as a pitcher, what, what type of pitcher are you, Chris? Uh, the biggest thing for me has always been throwing strikes. And in high school, that leads to a lot of strikeouts. Uh, I'm sure when I throw, make my debut down here in, or here in Jupiter, throwing strikes is probably going to lead to ground balls and fly balls. But it's the most important thing. Like, I always want to attack hitters. Like, the most important thing is that first pitch strike. So I always take in that mentality of attacking them and going after them instead of them coming after me and, like, hitters count. Uh, Chris, what would you recommend to young pitchers, uh, kids who are 17, 18 years old, who are going to go through this process next year? We, we have obviously a lot of older listeners too, but Chris, we have a lot of young, uh, because it, it is a podcast, it is digital, we have a lot of young listeners and, and young up-and-coming baseball players who are probably next year going to be in a position like you where they graduate from high school and they're not sure what to do. They're not sure if they should go to college. They're not sure if they should sign with the pros. And they're going to get scouted very heavily, whether they live in Michigan or whether they live in Montana. Does it make a difference? What kind of recommendation, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just you got to cherish, like, the moment you have. Like, for me, a month ago I was still playing high school baseball. Or just over a month ago I was still playing high school baseball. And things can change so fast. It was such a – it's a great change, obviously. But I think for seniors and, like, people that are in this – or have this opportunity to possibly get drafted and choose between college and pro ball, like, playing baseball at the next level takes a lot of work. So the big, biggest thing you got to keep doing your work now when you're in high school. But then cherish the time you're in high school because there's – you're not going to get that time back with all your buddies and your friends. So I think that's the biggest thing is when you have the opportunity to be with them and with your friends in high school, just cherish it. Have your parents talked to you about college when you're done playing? Because it would seem to me, and and again, all kids are different and all plans are different. And now your road and your path to the minor leagues and your path to the big leagues is going to be years. You know that. You're you're a young man and it's Mm going to take time for you to get there. But with kind of passing up on the opportunity to go to a great school like Michigan State right now, do you think eventually that that's something that you'll go uh, back and do when you, when it's all said and done, when your career is over, is there any plans for that? Or is that just kind of down the line for you? Uh, I'm kind of thinking right now to, I'm thinking I'm going to be getting to start taking online classes, maybe starting this fall, 
or at least next fall for sure, just to start chipping away at getting that major done. And that comes back to like what I've always been in high school with my grades. Like education's a big thing for me, and I think it's important for me to get a degree. So like in the off season, I'm gonna start chipping away at being able to get that degree. Mm. That's uh, very well said, Chris, and uh, and definitely the right direction. Okay, so let let's kind of end with this. You you've had a lot of things happen in the last month from the point that you were selected in the draft up until the point that you signed, and then even now as you're about to take your you know, really first big step, throwing bullpens on a big league field or minor league field, which is actually a big league field in uh, in Jupiter, Florida. What would you say was the pinch me moment? What was the big moment for you? I've seen a couple of them on social media with handshakes and things like that. Uh, give me anything that's happened in the past month where you just, you went to sleep at night and said, wow, like this is really, this, this, this happened to me. Uh, yeah, I think the, some of the big moments, obviously when I was able to sign my contract at Marlins Park, shake Michael Hill's hand. And then I was, I was fortunate enough to meet, I went up to Derek Jr. Suite later that, later that night, met him. And just that, that's just such an amazing thing. Like they treat me, they treated me like family. And then I actually had a fan that was at the game watching the Marlins and the Mets uh, turn to me and ask if I was Chris Mock, like he recognized me. And I think just seeing that was just amazing. And then, the first day here at Jupiter, having your name played on your locker, that just was a surreal moment for me that this is, like, actually happening, and I'm a professional baseball player. Well, listen, congratulations on, on everything that's happened so far. There's a lot of work certainly to be done, but it's stories like these that I really enjoy telling. And so congratulations on all of that, Chris. I look forward to seeing you in a uh, Marlins uniform, of course, in Jupiter, and then down the road, wherever you may end up, and then hopefully one day at Marlins Park in the big league. So thank you so much again for coming on yeah, the podcast. For really sure. It, and best of luck to you, okay? Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me.